everyone. Hello and welcome to Opening the Gates to More Listings for Estate Agents with me, Simon Gates, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Mr. Ian Macbeth. Ian, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Very clever use of words for the uh, podcast name. Well done. You're not the first person to say that. You won't be the last, but with a name like Gates, I had to get it in somewhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, right, okay, I said to you off air, we're going to jump straight into some questions. So... Question number one for you, who's one person, obviously aside from yourself, um, that estate agents should be following, either inside or outside of this industry, to give them motivation, inspiration behind generating more listings? One thing, uh, there's a lot, isn't there, out there? there is. you, yep. can, you can take a lot of great information from and learn from different people. I mean, I think even if you're not following him, being in the industry, you will see Chris Watkins content everywhere. Um, and some of it is fantastic. So, you know, he's got to be in with a shout. I really think the knowledge and um, specific Facebook kind of Google digital marketing stuff that comes from Chris Kiriakou is, is up there as some of the best. So if I was to highlight one person that someone needed to learn from to progress the industry, I'd probably say... Chris Kiriakou is is the one that I would go for. Something in the name Chris then, uh, with Chris Watson and Chris Kiriakou. So let's actually jump straight in then on Chris Kiriakou because um, I'd be right in saying you sort of partnered with him and he's been instrumental to the uh, growth of Avocado from day one. You, you've done a lot on kind of digital wise. What, what is it that, that Chris brought to the table for you to help you grow your business yeah yeah in the early days so before avocado launched i hadn't actually ever been on facebook my whole life so six months before we kicked off i decided right i better get on facebook because we're going to start a business that basically revolves around social media and um it was great for me because i learned social media as a business tool rather than as a sort of social profile if you like but what Chris did at the start is I did his Facebook course and we did, you know, we had quite a few chats on a one-on-one -on -one basis and he just taught me the basics of how to make it work for you. And then I put my own identity into it and the brand identity into it. And, you know, Facebook changes every week. So over the last sort of year, 18 months, you're just learning on the job constantly with it. Every time you log into Facebook, it's different. So he really helped me with the foundations of getting off the ground with digital marketing, I would say. So the estate agents listening to this who might be scared of video, scared of something new like social media, because I do think in the estate agency we are creatures that have it. You literally, six months before you launch, you went on Facebook, you hadn't used it personally, and you're a guy who'd run another estate agent. You could argue that could be, well, I know what I'm doing. I've run an estate agent. But you've gone and set up a new business. You've gone, I'm going to invest my time and money in seeing this avenue and use it as a business. So I think it's a great lesson for others who will hopefully listen to this podcast and implementing is don't be afraid to go out and look at new things and invest some time in it right i think you have to and not just in business in life in relationships in fitness in health you've you've got to be constantly learning and if you shy away from something that makes you feel uncomfortable or there's a challenge out there that you think is too difficult well then you won't grow you'll just stay the same and maybe that's part of the reason why our industry has stayed slowly evolving for the last two decades in comparison to a lot of other industries is that reason is the fear of not doing something that's difficult. Don't get me wrong. I've probably done 
I don't know, five, six, seven thousand videos since we launched. It's not like I started feeling comfortable on video. So, you know, it's not something that you just go straight and hit the record button and you feel, you know, completely comfortable with it. You you get yourself through the fear factor of it to when you eventually start to feel comfortable. Have you seriously done five, six, seven thousand videos? Yeah, easily, because my, my whole social platform or mod, marketing model is around different content for stories, different for Instagram, different for Reels, different for Facebook ads, different in the groups, different live. So, you know, I, I, I couldn't count how many I've done, but it would be it's got to be close to six, seven thousand. And those are, are those, those are the ones that have actually made it out there into the public eye. There must be even more where you've hit record and gone, I've caught that up. Probably before we launched, so I wrote 100 blogs. That was my goal from, wow. um, from my redundancy to uh, 2019 December before we launched. We launched in soft launched in the March following. I had a goal to write 100 blogs, which I then used as scripts. Because once you've written the blog, it's a script for a video and it's ingrained in your head. So you only need bullet points and you can pretty much do it live or you can go straight away once you've written the blog. I probably say we actually only used about 20 of those blogs into video. So yeah, there is probably a load of videos I haven't used from the early days, but now not really. I would say it's it's like we were talking off camera, raw, authentic content with a mistake in it that doesn't feel overly polished will get your best engagement because you're human and you know people interact with people better than they do with perfection. Yeah, absolutely. I actually kept some people say to me on some of the stuff I put out on LinkedIn or in the Home Search Community Facebook group, when I hit record on a video, I've have got a topic in mind. I'm like, oh, I need to say something on that. But I hit record and I have no idea where my mind's going to go during that video. And some people say to me, we enjoy watching video because there's value coming, but we also have no idea what you're going to come out with. It's kind of like educational slash entertaining. Not, not um, I don't do it on purpose, but um, there seems to be yeah, a bit of humour yeah. at my expense sometimes. Um, yeah. March 2020, that was an interesting uh, time to put a business to go live, right? Yeah, well, six days before um, six days before the lock, first lockdown kicked in, we obviously had a decision to make that week. Do we, do we go with the soft launch or do we wait? And you're never ready to launch a business. You're never perfect. But we felt we were, we were ready to go. So we just went with it, to be fair. And lockdown served us fantastically well because people were at home high video, loads of information, sharing loads of advice with people. It gave us the ability to kind of almost be the news channel for the local, you know, sort of social platforms of what's happening in the property market and where every other estate agent was pretty much at home, furloughed, redundant, whatever it may be. We were on everyone's mobiles everywhere and actually lockdown for that kind of, let's call it 11 weeks before we started trading was phenomenal for us because we were just everywhere so can't grumble with that although it was scary at the time yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love the fact you said you're a news channel do you think yeah. all the like people stick on the news and particularly at that point uh, in uh the world it was just negative negative you know we're all tuning at five o'clock to hear the updates and whatnot yeah you're coming and doing the videos you were doing um the other thing that i find interesting in that as well you obviously had a massive decision to make at, at that point um, and it made me think of something myself. So I've recently launched this podcast and recorded some episodes, got those in a diary. I've had this in my diary as something I wanted to do for about a year. I always thought of reasons not to do it. Mm-hmm. And then it literally, again, done beats perfect. One day in my garden, 
just went on to Anchor. I was like, I've got a name, I've got a logo. And I sent that to a few people and it held me publicly accountable or privately accountable, should I say. I was like, I need to do this now. So just getting on with it. So I think there's so many excuses we can make in this industry of being comfortable, maybe not wanting to go open up an agent or move to a different office or go for that promotion. I mean, that was literally the worst slash best time you could have done what you did, really, depending on which way you look at it. So I think when you when you start saying you're going to do something out loud, especially in this day and age where you can tell a lot, you can tell thousands of people on LinkedIn in the morning or on Facebook in the afternoon or whatever. Once you say to people, I'm going to do this, then it's out there. Then you are you are committed and you're either a personality which is happy to um, let yourself down and go back on your own word and not do it or you feel right I've committed I've told everyone I'm gonna do it and that's something which I think is just great for people because action you know creates traction and if it's just an idea it's just a dream it's not ever going to come into reality so that that's how I live my life for sure is you always look at right first step get it done and once you've got that momentum you're up and running in anything any sort of task or challenge you take on really Love that. Is that uh, an Ian McBeth original um, track? What is it? Action creates traction. I've never heard that before. Are you going to claim that? Or I don't know. It's probably something I heard on YouTube somewhere. But yeah, let's let's sign that off with a TM for I'm, sure. I'm, 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 I'm writing it very quickly. Um, that is absolute gold. I love that. Um, and uh, I'm just not going to release this podcast now and pretend I said it. Um, no, jokes aside. You told uh, me you weren't going to edit this podcast, Simon. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Right, question for you, which is indirectly um, to a state agency, but you recently, um, I don't know how long that was, maybe a few weeks ago, how many miles did you run in 24 hours or something? Yeah, I ran 100 miles, 100 miles in 24 hours, and I did it about, it was about a month ago, actually. So, yeah, I think it's about five weeks ago now. So, I'm just not keen on running, so just to put that out there, but... What, what, so this is going to be a really random question, but what are you listening to when you're running? Um, what keeps you motivated like, and, and helps you like, zone out from the pain and stuff? I actually only listened to music in the night run. So I planned to run it with eight people. I think there was five out of the eight that we were doing it. We're planning to do 100 miles. The others were doing different distances. And it was a, it was a lap process so you did five miles and that was a lap basically and then we had a camp and at 1 30 in the morning everyone was either injured or in their tents asleep and I was the only one left and that was the only time I started listening to music so I think I'd run 60 miles at that point um, maybe it was 55 miles at that point and I ran through the night in the dark in the rain on my own with a head torch for like four and a half hours and I had music on for that but other than that, I didn't have anything on because when, when I'm at an event, I just love like soaking in the atmosphere. And, you know, there was like, I think there's about 4,000 runners at this event. So, you know, people are saying, well done solo, because I was a solo runner. There was other teams and things like that. Having a bit of banter with people and, you know, some people were running faster because they weren't doing it on their own. They were doing it in a team. So they'd fly past. So I was just... I was just smiling most of it, just having a good time. Other than the middle of the night stuff, that was mentally the hardest part on my own in the rain, in the dark. Um, had a lot of pain with my knee at that point. So yeah, not listening to anything really, just soaking in, being a person with other people. I, I love that. And I, I imagine whether it's doing that 
um, or preparing for it and when you just generally go and do your sort of running, that must be some of your, your best times where the mind is clear and you probably come up with some great business ideas for, for avocado, right? And you go, right, today I'm in the office, uh, right, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. You must get some really great motivation from exercising and, and having a clear mind, right? It's funny, actually, because I said to someone uh, that I ran with on Saturday morning, sometimes when I've got a lot to work out, because I run in a group normally and there's normally two, three of us for each run. But sometimes if I've got something I need to work out in my head or I need to be creative or work for a problem at work, I just say I'm not going out in the group. I go out on my own and I either put a podcast on or an audio book. Um, not often music or sometimes I just go dark as you call it just with nothing on and um, I will normally find the answer on that run it it will come to me in that run what I need to do and that's why I always run with my phone because my notes on my phone is just there's a whole load of wisdom in there there's quotes there's stories there's case studies there's ideas there's suggestions there's my my lifetime goals my yearly goals so I sometimes just stop and I'm like, and then I'll use that later on. So yeah, all sorts of different, different techniques really, but I just find it quite therapeutic running. Yeah. Love it. Right. I'm going to chuck two questions at you right now um, and answer them one at a time. You've just mentioned podcasts and like audio book. So what's one podcast you'd recommend a state agent should listen to? It could be inside or outside the industry. And same with a book as well. What's one book someone should be listening to or, or reading? For me, for me personally, the I, I always think in the state agency we can be quite insular as a as an industry. We we're very much focused on what everyone else is doing, and potentially there's a little bit of FOMO in there around the competition. So you, people spend a lot of time finding out what other people are in the industry are doing. So I, when I'm listening to audiobooks, podcasts, I tend to go outside of the industry. Um, there's things like Impact Theory, um, which I find is a really really good podcast to just. There's so many episodes on there that if you want to learn about mindset, if you want to learn about health, if you want to learn about the economy, if you want to hear from um, a, a writer or someone that's an Olympian, you can find anything on there. Impact theory. Um, so I think that's that's one of my kind of go to's at the start before Avocado launched. I spent a lot of time listening to Gary Vee's podcast. Um, I probably spent a year listening to different episodes there. And then I found I got what I needed from that. And his is quite repetitive. So sometimes it's good to check back into it. But the if you're looking for a little bit of pivot in your life or a little bit of change of direction, probably the Gary, Gary V podcast is a good one to listen to, I would say. Um, audio book wise, my favorite audio book that I've ever listened to is Legacy which is by James Keir. It's all about the All Blacks and their standards and their success and their habits and um, just their personalities and how kind they are as people and how inclusive they are in their senior uh, sort of leadership group. So I've actually listened to that one probably three or four times now, which I haven't ever listened to another audio book more than once. So they would be my picks. I think when you say like you'll go back over things in impact theory uh gary v and you've reread that book that says a lot doesn't it like there's so many choices of books out there and podcasts and stuff but actually some of the best things like i need to go reread that i need to go re-listen re-watch whatever it is and you're like oh my god i've, I've heard that read that seen that in a completely different way this time and then going out to that so absolutely love that i think on a couple of points you made there as well i can't remember exactly but i mean gary v was doing video years ago wasn't he like he'd produce how many videos before everyone went 
oh Gary V, the overnight like person or whatever. Yeah. You look back, it's like actually recording on a terrible device years ago. And it's a bit like what you said, I'm gonna do a hundred vlogs before I launch. People go, Oh my god, where's he getting all the time to do this? It's like, well, actually, I'm prepared to get that already. Um, yeah. and then and then with the all blacks, um Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it like essentially they leave the dressing room the same way they found it, right? They clean up after themselves. Yeah, they always they always make sure that things are left how it was there for them. But one of the things which is really cool about it, and it's probably really relevant for senior figures in estate agency groups, because there is a, a stigma of how some of the cultures of the industry operate. But their senior leadership group, they effectively will sit down and they'll almost have like a baton. And if someone's got the baton, they're talking. No one interrupts the person with the baton. And it goes around the room to have their own views. So everyone gets the fair amount of time. Everyone gets the ability to talk. People aren't interrupted. And if you, you know, when we were recording this last night was obviously the political debate live on BBC, you know, with the two potential next prime ministers. And one of the things that I thought Rishi Sunak was really, really rude about is he continually interrupted her. Um, the host and his competition continually interrupted and not just interrupted, but he diverted his agenda from the conversation. So he didn't even reply with an interruption of what she'd said, he interrupted. And for me, that's someone that doesn't have the right character. And there's a self, there's a very selfish sort of way. And that's, I've seen that in boardrooms, you know, in the state agency, and I've seen it in morning meetings and management teams. And I think, a culture of a business where you give everyone the ability to communicate, talk and have their own time on the mic, if you like, is a, is a really powerful culture. You just said there, uh, I think it's why we mentioned another podcast, but for me, when you were saying everything, I was like, it makes so much sense. It just made me think of the old line of people listen to reply, not to understand. So whether it's political, estate, boardroom, whatever, we're so guilty of listening to them going, yeah, 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 finish, finish, because I want my next point, as opposed to going, understand, yeah, right, where do we go from there? So, I mean, yeah, yeah that really, really resonated with me. Um, in terms of next question, um, you've got a quote, well, essentially, I assume it's your mission statement over your right shoulder uh, for avocado property. Um, so I'm going to ask you, is there one quote that you've heard could be inside or outside of a state agency, but really resonates with you, but you'd like to share with the listeners. But when you hear it or read it, it really makes you get motivated. Um, yeah, so if I'm my kind of life quote, in fact, as a as a group, we asked all of the partners recently a couple of questions and quote was one of the things that we asked them. So my kind of mantra, if you like, I've got two. The first one that I've always stuck towards me and, and more my fitness challenges and my professional career is be stronger than your excuses. I think people make excuses themselves for themselves too often in this, this much like you said about procrastinating on, you know, doing the podcast or whatever, people will make a reason not to do it when they should do it. Once you do it, action creates traction. So being stronger than your excuses is a big one. And then when I was doing the hundred miles, I had a mantra in my head constantly going around my head. Every time it felt difficult, I just reminded myself that legacy cannot be bought. It has to be earned. No one can buy running 100 miles. You can't go out and purchase that. You have to do it. And that was the thing in my head is I told my six-year-old daughter I was going to run it. I was going to do the 100 miles. 
And that was the legacy for me is I couldn't finish and turn around to her and go, yeah, I didn't do the hundred. I did 85 or 90 because I'd promised her. So that, that for something for me is quite powerful. Anything that creates legacy is something that can't be purchased. So they're probably the two power quotes that I have going through my head. So action creates traction. Be stronger than your excuses. Legacy can't be bought. I've written them has all. To be a, has yeah. to be a, like I've written those all down. Like I absolutely love quotes, and they've gone into my little black book that I keep. A bit like what you said with your phone. So absolutely yeah. love that. Um, continuing on the theme of kind of inspiration for anyone uh, listening, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given that you'd like to share with the listeners? So recently I was, re- I was reading a new book. I went away for uh, our anniversary for, for, with me and my wife. So it's the first time I've had a couple of days, a couple of nights um, without children, you know, biting my ankles or whatever. So um, I had a little bit of time to actually open a book. And one of the things that was in there, he was talking about how the most powerful asset you've got in life is your network. And that was a piece of advice that really, really I had to think about because your network dictates your future business. If you know, if you were employed and you lost your job, could your network find you a new job within four weeks, for example? And if it can't, then your network is not strong enough. So advice out there for anyone is to think about your network. And in this day and age, your network can be quite vast because of social media. So, you know, who are you uh, an influential figure to? Or who are you to a group of people on social media or in your phone book, your family, your friends that would support you and compliment you and recommend you? So I think everyone, especially the market and the way that technology is at the moment, needs to really reflect on who their network is and how strong they are within that circle. That would probably be the most current piece of advice that that I've read recently. Absolutely love that. That's absolute gold. Right, I've got uh, two more questions for you, Ian. So um, an ultimate one is going to be, and it's going to sound like a leading question, I apologise if it is, but you, you clearly learn social media, you're tech savvy now with, with sort of building, creating, growing your business. Um, what's one piece of tech? It could be a mobile phone app, it could be a Google Chrome extension, it could be prop tech. What's one piece of tech? you'd recommend other estate agents should be using to generate more listings? Well, there's loads of different parts to a process of creating content to getting content to the right people and then making sure that the content converts into data. I mean, that's the three triggers of it, isn't it? Is create, post, and uh, make sure obviously they're going somewhere after they've engaged with your content. But for me, I... I learned how to use Adobe Photoshop and Premiere Pro because I, I knew that I was in the, going into the media business as a business owner. I knew that I needed to know video. I needed to know basic level graphic design. I didn't want to rely on anyone to get my content polished. So I taught it to myself. Um, although there are more important things to me, if someone took Adobe Photoshop and Premiere Pro for me, it would feel like someone taking my knees away. Um, so that that's personal to me, as I think you could learn it on Canva. You could learn it on some of the other apps. You know, there's video leap that you could use your phone to like edit, edit videos on. Or you could just edit videos in Instagram reels these days and make a pretty decent feel, um, reel or video. But 
learning that for me has given me a skill set that sets me in a different league to a lot of other standard estate agents now because I'm not any more estate agent really I'm a marketing professional that also markets properties but I could market anything I could start a business selling apples tomorrow and I would know how to make the right video create the right graphics set up the right digital ads and I would sell apples next week um, so it's a skill set that I think has future proved me as an individual regardless of what happens with the property market absolutely love that and you said earlier about you were the news channel when you launched yeah uh, you've mentioned you're a media business and you said you could go sell apples you know state agency is not really being spoken about on this podcast has it but I'm hoping the listeners will go there's a lot of takeaways from this that they can do to to grow their business so that's brilliant right final question for you uh, and I'm really intrigued to see what your answer is going to be to this we take you back two and a half three years ago just as you were preparing to sort of launch Avocado is there anything you do differently in hindsight it's hard isn't it hindsight because you kind of flip back to thinking right I know I know what I know now but I didn't then but if I knew what I knew now and did things differently there's probably not a lot because part of the fun has been the process the learning we've made some mistakes along the way as anyone would do but those mistakes have become lessons so um, I think we were risky in a lot of what we did I think we went to the line on a lot of what we did um, we had a business plan to make noise, to be patronizing, to be a little bit rude about the industry for the first 12 to 18 months to get noticed. Um, I think a lot of the industry took offense to that. It was intentionally made to make offense, to get noise, to be noticed. And then the last 18 months, 12 months has been very much more just talking about our own quality. So maybe if there was anything I'd do differently, some of the stuff that we did in the first 12 to 18 months slightly overstepped the line a little bit and um maybe we would have done that with a little bit more class but there's probably not a lot because it's all part of that process of learning really so that's probably the only thing that i would have looked at and i wouldn't have not done it i'd have just maybe done it slightly differently i really appreciate your uh candor on that ian and that brings us to the end of the podcast because I think you've delivered some absolute gold there. I've frantically made loads of notes. For the second time, I'm going to say, I'm debating whether I'm going to release this. I'll just keep all that gold to myself. Um, <laughs> but no, Ian, look, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much again for joining. I really appreciate it. Yeah, cheers, Simon. See you soon.